today on Dirty Linen. Hang on, what? (laughs) (laughs) Huck, this is pretty weird. We're uh, actually in person for the first time recording dual podcasts. It's incredibly weird. You're both in my home studio, which doubles as our dining room. Yeah. (laughs) um, We actually haven't seen each other since January. Yep. And I've only just recently seen Rob. So this whole thing of Deep in the Weeds and Dirty Linen has happened with us being completely apart. It's very weird. Well, it's very emblematic of 2020, isn't it? That there's been so much, um, you know, staying apart keeps us together and all the various catchphrases. But it is amazing the things that you can do when you're not in the same room. And of course, you know, we've recorded with all our guests remotely using the wonders of Rob's uh, machines. Yeah, it's weird having eye contact with someone. I'm usually in the room by myself. (laughs) It is really weird. Um, So I flew up from Melbourne this morning and I'm now in Canberra where you live. And it was really quite emotional leaving Melbourne. I mean, we're, we're, um, yeah, we've, we've been stuck there. Yeah. For the whole year. And I don't think I've been on a plane for, for the whole of 2020. So it did feel really, it really actually, it caught me by surprise a little bit as um, I was excited about going on the plane. I was excited about coming here. Uh, but I didn't know that I was going to be so emotional about coming through the clouds and feeling like I was out of Melbourne because it, it's been so, it's been such an intense year, you know, we, to have a five kilometer limit on where we could uh, walk around in the city, uh, a limit on time that we could leave the house. And of course, you know, everything being closed. Yeah. There's even, you know, it's curfews. So something about busting through the clouds and flying north was, uh, yeah, it was quite emotional. Well, it must have been extraordinary. I mean, in Canberra, we haven't really experienced the pandemic. Certainly not like you guys have. It was only a hundred and something cases that we experienced. And, you know, so we were witnessing the sort of lockdown that you guys had from afar but I too had a flight just recently to Sydney for, for something that I did and um, that was that was actually a really weird experience too and I was nervous about it and um, the airport was like really eerily quiet and um, yeah, but once, once the plane took off though because I was used to doing so many flights, it just kind of felt like um, back to normal a little bit mm. um, and that was, that was a nice part about that for me was that... Um, yeah, it's normal to get on a plane, that, that feeling. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that I'm really looking forward to of having that, that that's normal again. Well, there are so many things that haven't been normal this year that I think the very fact that they can become normal again <clears throat> is one of the things that's going to make them so special, isn't it? Yeah. And Rob and I um, were talking over lunch about, you know, is that going to maintain as um, we hopefully have more and more days without community transmission in Australia are those things that we were cut off from for a period of time still going to feel special or are we just going to sink into taking things for granted? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I've, as many people, have reassessed things in my life and, um, you know, wanted to make changes and change of direction, all sorts of things and view things differently. But then you also get into old habits again and um, it's going to be really interesting the next couple of years what actually happens and whether... um, we take this moment to change things or whether we just continue on as, as we were, which mm. wasn't very good for the planet. Well, that's true. So what are the, some of the things that you would like to maintain or change for yourself? Well, I think, you know, 
when it all started, I lost sort of, we talked about it earlier, you know, lost sort of my identity a bit and all of my work as a, as a restaurant critic and a, and a food journalist. And at the time that wasn't easy, but on reflection, that was one of the best things to happen because I don't think I was really enjoying it anymore. And, um, I, I feel like that I wasn't making the impact that I would like, a positive impact. Um, and I don't want to be a, a warrior or an eco-warrior or a saviour or, or do projects like that. I just want to be involved in things that matter, that either matter to me or matter to someone else and make an impact and obviously earn money for our family and stuff like that. So in that regard, I, I think the food media is important. But I think it's changed a lot and it's just not for me anymore. I think my skill set and interests are better off in another direction. Um, and I, oh, look, this is media. So I guess <laughs> I guess in some ways things aren't changing in some ways, just a different format. Yeah. But um, I really love this this format because you can really dive deep into issues and, and people's stories. And that's, for me, what has always been interesting about food. And I've felt, um, I guess the biggest change for me is that's the direction I want to go in. And I felt the food media has, which we discussed previously, has been light in that discussion, that deeper discussion. Not all media, um, but a lot of it. So did you feel, like you said, you didn't think you were enjoying it much anymore? Is that because you felt like the stuff that you were able to write was quite light like quite in a sort of more of a lifestyle space and not as deep as you have been able to go in the podcast for example yeah 100 percent. it's definitely that but it's not all it's also just not career as well it's things that um just in life that i think are really important like family and and friends and i think which we'll probably talk about quite a bit and you've you felt more than i did was that um being able to travel and see family and friends, having that cut off. And it's not even about seeing them, it's about not being allowed access to them, which I think was a, a big mental scar. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is not necessarily going and seeing family, but being knowing that I can at any stage. Right, yeah. So... Given that you want to tell deeper stories and you want to do stuff that means something or that, that, you know, contributes to the greater good, what kinds of things do you reckon you might do? Well, I think that the greatest untold stories in Australia are actually people working the land and, uh, you know, in the water, um, growing produce, you know, catching fish, um, all of those stories, you know, during the series, whenever we've spoken to producers, um, it's always just such a great insight and they always just tell the most amazing yarns. Mm. And that's not to say people in the hospitality industry don't and aren't doing that. Um, but uh, it gives me a lot of joy. Um, you know, and I know you've really enjoyed the deep dive that you've done um, when we started talking about Dirty Linen, which was an idea that you already had. Um, yeah, oh. the, the discussions that you've been having are discussions that haven't really been in media, not to the level that you've taken them. Um, how, how, have, how have you felt taking that deeper look into everything? 
I guess I felt really privileged and um, fortunate to have a forum to bring some of those people and those stories to light. And I think it's probably what one of the things that I've always felt as a journalist is that it's just is you're so lucky to just wonder something and then be able to ask the question and to follow a train of thought or an interest and to dig a bit deeper. Mm. So I've loved doing that. Um, I've almost felt sometimes that there's been too much like to wrangle because you know when you're like writing a story and you do interviews and you're just left with like reams and reams of transcript Mm. or even worse untranscript (laughs) untranscribed (laughs) interviews which are just like this weight that you carry around Um, and I feel like with the podcast it's like there's so much gold that people share Mm. and there's so much there's so much more that I want to want to do so I often feel like I wish I had yeah, more time to take the strands of the stories that people are talking about and, and the structure of dirty linen around topics is, you know, would there be, you know, there's got to be other long-form features that could be written about topics that we've covered, you know, for example, I don't know, whether it's customer behaviour or whether it's um, leadership in the industry, uh, whether it's, um, you know, issues around visa workers. There's, there's just so much more mm. that could be done with those stories. So I guess that's something that, strikes me from time to time you've had a, a different experience during the pandemic to me in the sense of the lockdowns that you've had and um an amazing sort of rallying that you've been doing on behalf of the industry has has that experience changed you has there been positives to come out of that intensity of the lockdown and the experiences that you've had in your sort of local communities and just generally the industry there um, I think so. I think, you know, we're, what are we, like 50 days, as, as we're recording this, we're 50 days without community transmission in Melbourne. And that's, I feel like I'm just relaxing. Not not like everything's fine. Like I still feel a certain tension and uh, I still want to be really careful and I want to see everybody else being careful for me to feel safe and secure and to, you know, to keep things in check because we've had that experience of things going backwards very quickly mm. or maybe not even very quickly, like sort of slowly and inexorably and then it's like to turn that ship around takes a bloody big effort on behalf, you know, from the whole community. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I feel like, you know, after that, you know, more than a month of um, restrictions being eased and things just looking like we're locking in our gains, that I'm starting to feel the weight of the year a little bit more. And, yeah, like I guess... A lot of people have been carrying a lot of weight of, you know, just people's stories and people's experiences and, you know, just what everyone's been going through collectively and individually. So I do feel a little bit now like it will be good to have a rest um, but also to think about what I want to do with, I suppose, the, the yeah, those stories that I've been holding and, and, th- and changes that I've been trying to make and... Yeah, so I don't quite know what to do with it, but I feel like I'm not going to get back into a little box now. How have you felt about exposing your process as a journalist? Because it's such a different format. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm, I feel like I kind of don't care. I feel fine about it, but I do feel exposed. And it is funny because I've been feeling exposed, but I've just been like shut away in my room, not... Um, not seeing that many people. So it is different. And as I've been going out in Melbourne, um, 
and seeing people in restaurants. It, I mean, I've never really um, sought to be recognised or wanted to be, you know, like I'm not that person that walks into a restaurant and, um, you know, I don't know, I don't want any like red carpet type stuff just really mm. embarrasses me and I certainly don't seek that. But it has been interesting to see that, oh, okay, so I know I've just been doing stuff, you know, with a microphone or, you know, a keyboard um, and a soup ladle as well. Uh, yeah, but if, it, I don't know. It's funny that when you see that um, it's funny when you notice that there's been a, an impact of something that you've done just sort of quietly beavering away and it's like, oh, okay, that did create a few ripples. Um, wasn't the motivation for doing it, but um, it's interesting to notice that that that's been one of the impacts. Well, it's the it's the end of the year, and we're all looking forward to letting go of twenty twenty. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> <laughs> what's what, what's changed? Like, what's some of the positives that you're going to take from you know, such a horrible year, really, for many? Well, I think definitely uh, creativity, resilience, and community compassion I think like just I guess the best qualities in people like I think we've seen all of them mm. and you know people have really had to dig deep in it over and again and uh, it's been really impressive to watch how fantastic people can be and uh yeah so and and how adaptable it's it's yeah it's really quite extraordinary to think about how easily humans can take on change so I suppose what would you take forward from that? Would you take forward, I think definitely like a very conscious sense of empathy and compassion is something that I'll try to take forward. Um, and and a sense of just like not being quiet about stuff that I don't think is right. So, yeah. It's, it's been a really interesting year because it, it's also marking the end to other things in the world that have caused sort of trauma for so many, like the Trump administration. And there's there's sort of it's been a real whirlwind, whirlwind couple of years yeah um and it feels like it feels like a we're turning a corner and things will change and that then and there's kind of rays of hope of you know i'm not i'm not convinced we'll get back to normal really quickly because there's some you know it's pretty devastating still in many countries the, the pandemic and also there's so many issues on the planet anyway mm. um but it does feel like you know I've, I've never been one to sort of be into New Year's resolutions and like, here, <laughs> here we go, we can start and try and change things yeah. again. But there doesn't definitely feels like that momentum going into 2021. Mm. So are you going to make some resolutions? <laughs> um, I wouldn't call them resolutions, but I, I would call them plans. Um, and that's plans to do things that perhaps I've always wanted to do, never had the money to do and still don't have the money to do, but I'm, <laughs> damn it, I'm going to do them anyway. Um and and just give it a crack, like um, you know, like deep in the weeds and dirty linen. Like we, you know, we've just given our time to it. That's all that's kind of really happened. Yeah. And a lot of time, and bloody hell, it's been worth it. Like just hearing those stories and sharing those stories and being part of a community, mm. which um, I've always felt close to the food industry. But as a restaurant critic, you don't get the big warm embrace. As uh, as I've felt with deep in the weeds, for instance. Mm, sure. So, what what are you going to do? What are you going to have a crack at, Huck? <laughs> well, I probably need to keep secret about some of it. But, oh, really? Um, but you know, as you know, we've, this is um, global domination meeting <laughs> part one. <Yeah. laughs> um, because 
like you and I knew of each other and we'd met a couple of times, but we didn't know each other very well. No. And and who knew like nine months ago that you'd be sitting in my dining room having this conversation? Yeah, not um, me. It's but, definitely been a pandemic positive. But it, it's very strange because we both, for different circumstances or similar circumstances, I'm not really sure, headed in a similar trajectory, but you know, in slightly different ways, but we sort of went in a similar path mm. and, um, and, um, it was probably Rob that brought us together actually to, to, um, yeah, just, uh, embrace a new form of media mm. and also just, um, I guess it was, I guess what we've been doing is just trying to provide a platform and a way for people to cope, people to share, people to find answers, um, discover problems, all sorts of things. Um, which is which is all important to for every day. I th- I think what what the podcasts show, and you know, the fact that with Rob we've put so much time into them, is that we both believe in the power of storytelling. Yeah, and that it's it can be so powerful, and but also very helpful and yeah, actionable for people to just to learn from other people's experiences. And it doesn't mean that someone's going to do the same as someone else. But you know, when you when you listen to people's stories. Or, or takes on a certain situation, then it just really does spark ideas for yourself. And I know that just from being in the conversations with people, it's it really, you know, I go off on tangents and, um, and yeah, just you just start thinking about things in a different way. And I think maybe that's one of the, you know, you, you speak about a sort of a bit of a sense of optimism. And I think one of the things that that's, was a struggle for me in the pandemic was people become very fixed in their ideas. And I think yeah. we saw that a lot in Melbourne where, you know, the going got pretty tough and it, it was, you know, people's, I guess, you know, uh, politics, like hard politics and personal politics came to the fore. And sometimes I was, I was surprised and sometimes disappointed by what was revealed through that. Uh, and I guess what the thing that I found disappointing was that people became very fixed in their positions and I guess one of the things that you um, gain from having the kinds of open conversations that I think we both try to have mm. is that you don't you don't begin from a fixed position. You're not trying to get somewhere. You're not trying to crack someone open because you think that you know there's this um, there's no objective. It's just an honouring of somebody's story and someone's journey, and trusting that as humans, people just would be interested in that. I think one of the interesting things that I found was people's willingness to open up and share some really, really traumatic um, things about their own lives. Um, And then that sense of obligation of trying to handle it as a host because a lot of the time I don't know it's coming as well and and trying to honour that um, and share it and and find find something within that. Mm. But um, I'm not a trained... I'm not trained in that sort of stuff. I'm just a journalist. Yeah. so I found that both challenging, emotional, but with a sense of obligation, but also um, a, a, a sense of pride a little bit in that someone was willing to trust enough to share and felt that they would get something from it. Mm. And, um, and in the hope as well that sharing that helps other people. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful trait in humans that I want to see carried on in 2021. Um, that kind of get rid of the veneer and, um, you know, and, and open up and share. Because I think the more you talk and the more you share, um, the easier things can be. Yeah. Well, I think 
yeah, I definitely felt that as well, like the incredible strength that people displayed in being vulnerable and that, yeah, just a real bravery in sharing. And I suppose, yeah, when you ask me like what it's like exposing my process, I mean, I, it's like my, yeah, I don't have any like um, huge big weights that I'm carrying, but it's that same thing where it's like you were just people in it just like stuffing up every day. Um, but if we just hold each other up a little bit, then chances are we'll get through it. Mm. So I think, you know, it is that, I suppose it's, I suppose it's like we create hopefully these safe spaces where people feel like then they're going to be, um, yeah, then they're going to be listened to and, uh, that, you know, that other people want to hear what they're, what they're going to say. What's your hope for the new year after everything that we've been through this year? Well, I feel like we are so lucky in Australia and uh, even though Melbourne's done it pretty tough, I feel so grateful to have been there the whole time, to be honest. I just feel like we really, um, we've really been through something amazing as a, as a city and we're never going to forget it and it was amazing to be there. I just actually loved Melbourne more and more all the way through it. Uh, so I, just, I, I, I really hope for the rest of the world to just like, get the pandemic under control and just start rebuilding because we are so lucky and I I really feel like as much as I'm happy about where we're at, yeah, you know, you can't, (laughs) um, can't sing it too, too loud because I'm really feeling the struggles that people are having around the world. Um, but yeah, same, same as you, I'm like, cannot wait for January 20 and for just like a big hole to open up in the ground and swallow up Donald Trump. (laughs) I just cannot wait. Uh, And of course it's going to be so disappointing because it just, there's the problems are so big. Mm. So there's going to be massive disappointment. So I'm trying to uh, prepare myself for that. Uh, But it's got to be better. Can you imagine how much worse we would all feel if, um, if it was the other way? Yeah. It would just be so bad. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to some global action on climate change. And I think, yeah, you know, absolutely. with Biden going in there, then that, that, that's going to give some impetus to that. And the, the Australian federal government is looking increasingly like a bunch of stupid outliers. Yeah. So hopefully there'll change. be a shift in that. Um, I would really, yeah, I don't know, maybe there'll be some action on um, the way Australia is treating internationals such as refugees. Um and I'd love to see a way that internationals can that left Australia during the pandemic could slowly come back because yeah. I think that's a really tricky issue and I don't even quite know what I think about it because I don't want a lot of people... I'm scared of people coming in in floods because of hotel quarantine. Yeah. So I don't... I haven't quite thought my way through what exactly I want to happen, but... Yeah, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? Because yeah. I, I want to be able to travel and I want people to come here, but then... Yeah. We want to make sure we get that right. It's funny, actually, you know, usually I would always have an overseas trip planned. I feel absolutely fine about staying in Australia. I've got, the only thing is like, I've got family overseas, like in the UK, so, and elsewhere, but it's mostly my in-laws in the UK that, you know, I would love to, love to see. But um, from a travel and a food point of view, I feel really fine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, it's interesting with, in regards to travel and at the beginning of the year, I sort of had this feeling and this decision that I was going to pull right away from social media, that I was feeling that it was a drain and um, vacuous and just I wasn't feeling positive about what it 
what it represented and, um, you know, there's particularly things, platforms like Twitter, which I still use and, and Instagram. And, um, and then the pandemic happened and it, it and what it made me realise is, is that was actually helpful for what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was helpful to share information before we started Deep in the Weeds. I was, as you were, sharing information of news coming in and um, it was almost like becoming a news source for people in the industry and it became, it felt like it had purpose. Um, and and now it's obviously I use it daily and mostly for deep in the weeds. But, you know, although there's still horrendous things that happen and uh, on social media that can influence people's perceptions of things with elections and all sorts of stuff like that, the power, the positive power that can come from social media really blew me away a little bit this year. Mm. Um, but in regards to international travel, which has made me think of it in the first place, I got really frustrated during May because a couple of years ago, my wife and I went to Japan for a whole month for our honeymoon <laughs> and social media was reminding me for the whole of fucking May <laughs> that I was having fun in Japan <laughs> those years, those however many years ago. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty brutal. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I know I'll, that's, that's sort of, that's the destination that we talk about taking our girls to, you know, one of the first destinations because um, we love it. Um, and so... Yeah, that sort of reminder of fun that you used to have um, was not so much was not so much fun this year. Um, well, yeah. speaking of social media, um, my daughter—I was in the car with my fifteen-year-old daughter yesterday, and she said, "Mum, what's birria tacos? Can we get some? They're all over TikTok." <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, I didn't know what a birria taco was, but I found that there's a few places in Melbourne that we can get them and I found out what they were. So, um, it's, you know, (laughs) we're just like the oldies on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but the kids are finding out, yeah, recipes and new things. And I'd Googled birria tacos and it's, and there was some article on, um, some like, yeah, website. Uh, what all you need to know about birria tacos that, that, that you've seen on TikTok. So it's like, you know, food connects people in all kinds of arenas. Absolutely. And I think the thing for me in food is actually the stories of the people behind it, but the, the, not necessarily what ends up on the plate, but the connection that you have with people when you have it. I mean, sometimes it's just dinner, right? But, you know, like that real connection you can get by putting food in the middle of a table. And I think that's something that I really want to see embrace more as we move forward as, as people, mm. you know, and... Um, although I want to celebrate and go to these amazing restaurants that really at the pinnacle that set the agenda, you know, I, I want to just be able to just go and hang out with friends and share food and, you know, in restaurants and sit elbow to elbow and not think about what happened this year. Yeah. And I'm feeling that that is happening more and more. Like every day I, f- I think less about what's happened this year and it, and life just seems to be getting on mm. and, What's really nice is, and you would have experienced today when you had lunch at Rebel Rebel, is that it it probably felt really normal for, you know, in a restaurant. <laughs> you probably felt a bit weird because you've been in Melbourne and no, not in many restaurants. But it, it felt good. It, it's, it's, it basically feels like life is back to normal for that period. It was so normal that a table of older ladies told a table of younger ladies that they were being too noisy and then they got moved so they could make more noise on the other side of the restaurant. <laughs> and I thought that was ace. <laughs> K 
Canberra's a party town. It is, and I've I've grown to love it even more. And you, when you were saying how much more you love Melbourne, like we only moved here a year and a half ago, and um, and the food scene's been growing rapidly in the last five years, and there has been some great operators previous to those five years here. But um, yeah, I've loved it more and more. Um, basically because we were trapped here for a period of time. and you, <laughs> <laughs> But um, it's, there's an extraordinary food scene here and I'm, I'm now involved in a project that's um, developing the food, a food hub in, in Canberra and it's dealing with uh, producers and, um, and, you know, markets, that side of things. And to be involved um, as a curator and consultant to help uh, improve the food seen mm. in the city that I live in is really exciting and it feels like I'm affecting positive change, Yeah, you know, um, which as I sort of alluded to a bit earlier is, is really important and it's really exciting, you know. I think next year, you know, in Australia there's been, you know, a lot of closures and some real hard times for restaurants and there's more to come but what's coming out, what's emerging, all these people that innovated and adapted and changed are doing some really exciting things. Yeah. And we're getting some really amazing food hubs, particularly regionally, that it's going to change our culinary landscape, I think, and our identity uh, in regards to food. Yeah. Well, you've, you've sort of prompted me to think about something else that I really hope that I will see next year is, is that connection with produce that I think people couldn't, people couldn't help but think about food supply chains during 2020, you know, with empty supermarket shelves and meat Mm. shortages and all these, you know, things that you just haven't experienced in Australia. And I guess if, you know, the positive that can come out of that is people wondering, well, how does my food get to my plate? And just asking more questions, wanting to be more connected, uh, wanting to think local, you know, because we've had to think more local. So I think, you know, what you're doing, it's so important to give people those opportunities to make connections with produce. Um, Yeah, and... uh, I guess those stories, you know, that you talked about, you know, producers always have the best stories. Well, when consumers can start hearing more of those stories and connect with people and then taking home the bacon or the broccoli or whatever it is, how good is that? Yeah, it makes it taste better. And it tastes better, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so it is so hopeful and it's so enriching and I guess it uh, just creates those really great webs of community connection that are going to be... Yeah, that are important in in every society at every time, but no more so than now. Well, you asked me sort of what is down the track, and I guess in a sense from deep in the weeds, it was born out of COVID and born out of, you know, trauma and um, a need to share and create a community. Um, But as we move forward, it's just becoming a show that I think we needed here, and it's the stories of people in food. You know, yeah. whether whether it's um, a good story or a traumatic story, it doesn't matter. It's the stories and understanding more about our food system and the people behind it, um, which is really exciting to be sharing um, into the new year. And it started as a podcast, you know, out of necessity. But um, one of my little crazy hopes is that we can do live events as well. So wouldn't you love to have a Deep in the Weeds um food festival with people on stage like forums conversations dinners (laughs) (laughs) events well well, this is massive parties um this is the biggest audience we've ever had we've got scout 
the dog, Rob, you and I, this is the big, big I think this is the biggest audience we've had so far. So yeah. we're getting there. Yeah, we're definitely getting there. <laughs> <laughs> Let the festivals and fun begin. What do you think is going to happen with the industry? What's What sort of um, rays of light are we going to see in the next year in the big cities? I know regionally we're going to, I think we're going to have some real booms and amazing sort of experiences. The cities have done it a bit tough, but do you think there's some rays of light in the cities? Absolutely. I definitely do. I think we've seen how much people care about restaurants and as much as a lot of people are doing it tough, there's still um, a lot of people that are employed and happy to spend money on food. So I think we're seeing that. I think we are seeing prices rise, which I think is necessary. Mm. It's, it's a difficult conversation, but I think that some restaurants have, um, even whether if it's just like putting a, a, a floor on the minimum spend through having set menus, I think restaurants have just, you know, they have so much ground to make up. Um, and, you know, when people have had that time to think about, you know, the treadmill that they've been on and, uh you know, you just can't run a business that's not profitable and it has to be profitable for, you know, the people that have got you got the stuff to yeah. you and the people that, um, yeah, that are working for you. Like, it just has to work for everybody. Yeah. So I think hopefully there's a bit more of a recognition about, about of that. I think, you know, one thing that I think is, um, is really interesting that I've seen, you know, in Melbourne and around the country, but I think perhaps, it, perhaps most acutely in Melbourne, there's a terrible staffing shortage and we know that's because a lot of the internationals have left and that's, yep. that's really bad. And they're, I think they're always going to be an important part of our industry and I absolutely you know, welcome and support that. They're vital. But I think one of the things that we are seeing in Melbourne at the moment is uh, Aussie kids being like roped in to hospitality. And I've seen like someone's 15-year-old <laughs> daughter doing dishes. I've seen, um, you know, I was Long at a, a pub up. last night and she's down at the, at the school like as you know as the the school captain does his does his final exam he's he's there like learning how to carry a tray of drinks um and you know oh you take your kid to the orthodontist it's like get all the teenagers that you can see and get them working in your restaurant so obviously everyone's going to be pretty green but i think if if good operators get good young kids into the industry then i think that's going to be a fantastic part of the mix going forward and you know could be a really bright thing that comes out of the pandemic yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it, actually. I mean, I used to eat in five-plus restaurants a week for a career, and now I just get to eat, them, eat in them for joy, which is even more exciting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't have to look for the faults. I can just embrace and enjoy them yeah. because uh, we all have them. Um, I think one thing that I'd like to do is just to thank all of the guests that have been on the series um, because they're, they've actually been the reason that it's successful. And why, you know, both both Deep in the Weeds and Dirty Linen have done so well is people's willingness to to share the whether it's a hilarious story or a sad story, um, just the willingness to share has been extraordinary. And um, and yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I think from you know the very first podcast I did with Alla Wolf Tasker, number one. Uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's been incredible. Like to, uh, everybody's brought something to it and, um, and yeah, we just couldn't do without them. So I also extend extreme fond and heartfelt gratitude to everybody that's come on the show. Well, you and Rob have come to Canberra for us to celebrate this little, uh, 
podcast empire that we've built. Um, <laughs> and we're going to have a bit of a Christmas party tonight at an amazing restaurant called Pilot. I think maybe we should uh, head on down there and check it out. What do you think? Yeah, let's smash a few drinks. So we've just had, what, about 10 courses at Pilot? It's the first time the three of us have ever dined together. <laughs> um, and it's nice to eat in a restaurant again, because we all miss that so much. How, how did it feel, Danny? Uh, it's a really lovely restaurant. I, I think um, Pilot in Canberra is a fantastic place to dine, and it feels great here. I've really enjoyed watching the action in the open kitchen. I've enjoyed how enthusiastic they are about what they're serving with food and, and also with drinks. And it's just been really fantastic to be here with you and with Rob. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing little restaurant. It's, you could put it in any city, I think, and it would um, knock the socks off just about anyone. It's, it's been pretty amazing. But I think what's been special about today is that we've been part of something pretty special with these podcasts. and. It was really weird to actually sit down together and eyeball each other and um, and have a chat in the same room. It's something a little bit different. I'm usually just in my um, pajamas and slippers, and uh, no one else is in the room. No one knows. <laughs> yeah, well, it's exactly the same with me. Although that's not quite true because my husband is often in the same room with me, typing very loudly and talking to himself. Love, love you, Carl. Um, <laughs> but yeah, actually, it's really it's great. I feel like you know we've had the chat and now we're out in the restaurant, and it's almost like this is the whole project, wasn't it? You know, yeah. to be celebrating hospitality, and I suppose to envelop ourselves and immerse ourselves in. The kind of experience that we've been celebrating and reaching towards this whole year is a victory of sorts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's nice about being here in Pilot, um, not just because it's just up the road from where I live, but um, Dash has been on board deep in the weeds anyway twice. And um, you guys got to meet her for the first time and experience what they do here. And um, as Rob mentioned, behind the mic because he doesn't like to be in front of it that this will be the third time the first time anyone's ever been on the show three times yeah because we're gonna we're gonna rope her in and reel her in but i think one thing that's been really interesting being here and, and talking to dash and and ross who's also an owner here is that they've used the pandemic as a spur to do something that they've wanted to do with the restaurant for a, a long time which is to go set menu have fewer diners but to i guess up the spend but give people the experience that you know makes them the most happy and i guess you know it is so it's just, I mean, those silver linings are probably something that we'll, we'll be looking for and we'll probably, I mean, we'll realise negative impacts as we go forward, but I think we will see some of those silver linings, yeah. whether it's in an individual business or in the industry as a whole or for ourselves as people. So it's amazing to be sitting in amongst someone who's turned the pandemic into a positive. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what we're going to see more of, you know, um, with 2021 is that restaurateurs, you know, they've always had this burden of people thinking that they're a public service and they have to be everything for everyone. When the reality is, is they need to be viable and survive, but they also, they should do what they want to do and celebrate what they can do mm. and um, not, not sort of curb to that. So, um, yeah, Pilot's a great example of that and there's so many of them across the country. It's and you can really see people 
drawing a line for themselves like this is what we want to do this is what we this is what we don't want to do and you know talking to Ross before you got here he said you know we'd always wanted to go set menu but we felt like you know did we have the the strength and the um, fortitude mm. to have those conversations and say no this is what we're going to do and no, we're not going to bend and um, this is us and we'd love you we'd love to have you but if this isn't for you then that's okay this is us now and yeah it's it's great you just you just want to see people fulfill themselves don't you and then go along for the ride yeah well, Dash was just farewelling some guests, but she's actually with us now. Sorry. And um, we were just talking about how you guys saw the pandemic as a time to actually change the restaurant model and do what you had intended originally. How successful has that been? Um, quite good. <laughs> uh, I hate saying that, I guess. Not hate, but um, it's... Uh, I feel... I mean, we all feel very lucky that we could... Um, do something that we wanted to do and, and it worked in a time where there's many things that are not going well in the world, I guess. Um, but yes, it has been received really, really well, which is nice. I think it's great that things go well in a time yeah. where, of, you know, general disarray. I think there's nothing wrong with celebrating the, uh, yeah, the, the joy and the success that you can pick from the wreckage and the ruin. I think it's fantastic. And I think one of the things that we have learned through 2020 is how, you know, a, a, a pandemic that we're all experiencing does strike people in such different ways. And there's no guilt or shame to, to ma like making it work for you and using it as a spur to, you know, create the change that you want to um, create in your own business. I think that's excellent. Why wouldn't we all celebrate that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I remember um, one of the things you said when we first spoke was talking about how you felt what you did was redundant because floor staff weren't needed when the pandemic first happened. How do you feel about your career now where we're that far beyond that and you've changed your model a little bit? How are you feeling about the hospitality sector and your role? Yeah, um, I guess it made me, um, I mean, it made, I said it in the interview as well, that um, just made me understand how much I actually really enjoyed working in, in hospitality, working on the floor, and also how much I enjoyed going to restaurants as well and being served and seeing what other people are doing. Um, yeah, so I guess it's, um, and it's awesome to be able to have our staff and be able to give them a job that they also love and that they also come can come to work and, and do. Um, and the model that we're doing at the moment, being able to to change the menu regularly and not have the restrictions of putting things in a box and how it's going to travel um, having being able to, for our knowledge to grow because we have a pairing that changes all the time um, and and you've got a young chef who's amazingly talented and he's 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 still quite young also well, you actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you all are you but you, you you're bloody good at what you do thanks <laughs> thank god <laughs> You might just be saying that because you just ate dinner here. <laughs> well, it's not the first time, though. That is true. It is amazing. I think one of the things that people realised that they did miss was that service experience and that feeling of being looked after. And I guess what I've appreciated here is, you know, that I'm, I'm being looked after in, in a way that's, that's really spirited and enthusiastic and it does feel like a dialogue. Like, it's very open, you know, like, I guess it's it's the art of listening as much as anything else, isn't it? And you've got this, this through line of what you want to deliver, but it's being... it's 
I mean, there's such skill in being responsive and empathetic to the kind of experience that people are looking for in, in a restaurant, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. I think we all, um, I mean, Mal, Ross and I have a, had a vision that we still have a vision of what we want to do and, and um, dishes that we want to serve and how we want to serve them. But at the end of the day, we work in hospitality and the whole reason that these places exist is to feed people and make them have a good time. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you do need to, um, you don't have to change everything that you do, but having that responsive action, if people aren't enjoying something or suggesting something that they might actually, you know, is more suited to them, um, and nudging them in the direction that you want them to go, because it's definitely something that you want to get creative with, but without being, um, aggressive about it or does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Is there a dish that you most love putting in front of people and you know or that you feel is the is the head turner the dish that can take people that perhaps don't know what kind of journey they're on to another place? Oh that's that's so good. Um there's a there's a few I guess like I love the little um the little minestrone at the start. I think a lot of people that don't dine out um, at degustation restaurants receive that dish and they look at it and they're like, oh, here's another, you know, thousand little things in a clear broth. What is this going to taste like? Um, and then it's so flavorful and there's a lot happening. And, um, and it is after that dish that some people might say, hey, this is pretty cool. Um, and then right after that, having the snacks that are all um, like takes on kind of, you know, takeaway food or little little dishes that, um, you know, we had growing up and them being quite messy as well and you have to use your hands, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. All of them kind of like bend the rules in a certain way and... and um, but also are meant to be kind of nostalgic so that when someone eats it, they're not as scared. I think that's a really great answer. I, I think, I mean, Huck, you remarked on that um, that amazing minestrone, you know, the, the, the very layered, complex consomme, you know, I guess it looks simple, but it's not. And then to follow up a dish like that with those, I guess, really approachable snacks and you know it is as you say it's that getting messy I guess it's a real it is an amazing way into a meal because you instantly demonstrate the artistry and the fact that things are going to be done with produce that you might not expect but then there's that real welcome where it's just like guys get messy you're just here it's just food so I suppose it is that sort of like you create there's a bit of a signature but then there's this real like you know and there's and there's the welcome mat so don't be intimidated but prepare to be amazed and I think you know, that meal typified why restaurants are so important in our society in the sense that it's not just about eating food. You know, you can be taken on a journey. You can be, um, you know, connected with people. You can, um, there's just so many elements to it, but it's also about celebrating, you know, like celebrating produce, celebrating living, you know, sharing that social discourse, um, that connection that we have with, with everyone that we've been missing this year because of, everything that's happened and restaurants are the thing that bring everyone together it doesn't matter about anything else in your life if you put food in front of people they connect and it's bloody nice to be in restaurants again yes <laughs> i definitely agree <laughs> and to be working in one for me <laughs> well i'm really actually thrilled that i've shared my first interstate 
2020 restaurant experience here at Pilot with you, Dash, and your team. Um, it's been a beautiful meal. It's been a really fun, exciting and rich experience here in Canberra. And it's been great to experience everything that you and your staff do. So thank you. Thank you, it was so good to have you. I'm so glad that you liked it. I was also very scared. <laughs> well, and here's to a, an awesome 2021, leaving 2020 behind and um, happy new year to everyone. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs>